Welcome to the Youth Day service, um, and I'm so excited by what God has been declaring tonight over the, during the worship and also during the different prayers that we've had. I want to start off tonight's service by reading this before I even forget it. As we were ending the series on tensions um, um, a couple of months back, a couple of weeks back, I didn't get to highlight, this is one of the things that I believe God pushed me for us to be able to have the series. I didn't get to highlight the fact that as young people, especially the rest of you, not me included, as young people in this nation, our peculiar purpose as a South African youth is that we have both the legacy of the infilling, the leading, the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of us. We have that on one hand, and in the same tension, we are holding the legacy of John Foster Square survivors as the wind that is beneath our wings. We have both on the inside of us. What God has done in our history, he can do even more at our, in our times. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is still alive on the inside of us today. I want you guys to go with me to a date, 16th of June, 1976. 7.30 a.m., as told by sahistory.org.za. See, it says that the first students to gather together were at Naledi High, the mood was high-spirited and jovial. At assembly, the principal gave them support, uh, supported the children, wished them to go well, and wished them good luck. The first chairperson of the action committee, Tepello Mutopenyani, addressed them and informed them that discipline and a peaceful march were to be the order of the day. Are you guys with me in 1976? Or you can't think that far back? <laughs> Meanwhile... What was also happening across uh, Soweto at the time, at, Mosik, at Morris Isaacson, um, students also gathered. They were addressed by one of the leaders of the action committee, Tieti Mashinini, and then they set out. On the way, they passed by other schools and other students and were, that were waiting, and those who were not there initially, they were recruited on the spot to join. And as I was reading this, I realized that what happened on that day, all you had to do was not be present to not be a part of what was happening. You had to be absent to not be a part of what was happening. We sometimes look at dates that are viewed in hindsight as iconic. We almost have this picture that C.A.T. Machinini woke up on the 15th, not the 15th, maybe the 16th. We look at it as though there was something, the sun must have risen from a different side, or maybe it had that sepia uh, filter effect, you know. They felt like the something was different about the day. We see it like that in hindsight, but it was a normal day, and normal young people like you and myself wanted to be heard. All you had to do was not be present to not be a part of what was happening. The word that God gave me for tonight is show up. God is saying, show up. Do not leave it to somebody else to do it. Do not hope that somebody else is going to do it because somebody else is hoping that somebody else is going to do it. God is saying, show up and be present. I believe that where we are in our nation, in our world, is in such a pivotal time of purpose that is calling out for an unwavering, rooted response from us young people. You see crisis, you see pandemic, you see statistics, you see numbers going up, you see numbers dropping, you see all these things. But what I see, I would even say that it's a Kairos moment, a moment that is designed by God, a moment that God can use to be able to move and establish his purposes. So if you forget anything else that I said tonight, walk out of here knowing that God is calling you to show 
up. Talking about purpose, purpose is more than just the way that we've always thought about purpose. It's more than just an individualistic thing, which is about me and what I'm supposed to do. Purpose is also collective. I would even say that purpose is mainly collective. The call of the collective serves as a platform for the fulfillment of the personal purpose. One doesn't exist outside of the other. If we ignore the purpose that God is calling us collectively to do, if we ignore the problems that are surrounding us, they're going to end up undermining the personal purpose that we end up finding. God coordinates and orchestrates everything in such a way that he will use what is around us to pull out the depths of what is on the inside of us. Paul in Acts 17, in the middle of a mass evangelism moment, while refining what it means to worship God, he tells this group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, he says to them that from one man, he, he being God, made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And then he says this thing, which speaks about the timing of God. He says that, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. It's not what's around us or against us that's going to mark these times, but it's what God has placed in us as a resource for response that's going to mark these times. It's the resistance, it's the refusal, it's the call to confrontation, it's the call to contribution, it's the call to collaboration, it's the call to a conversion of our society that's going to mark these times. Or our failure to heed the call that's going to mark these times. I would be a terrible pastor if I didn't tell you that sometimes we do fail to heed the call. Sometimes we can get so focused on ourselves that we're not able to follow God as he is calling us. You, your very existence wouldn't have worked at any other time but this very time. We always think that if I lived in another time, in 19 Mamang, 19 in Tonton, you know, we always think that if I was around then, then my life would have, or then I would have done this thing. But no, you are a perfect fit for the problems that surround you right now. With all of these issues and extreme, with all his issues and extreme imperfections, David is said to have served God's purposes in his own generation. See, now you put lights, now things on my face are showing, okay, it's fine. <laughs> David, with all his imperfections, it says this about him in the book of Acts, that he served God's generation, God's purposes in his own generation. Then he fell asleep. That's in Acts 13, verse 36. God has specific purposes for this generation. When we celebrate Youth Day, we're not looking back, forgetting that we have a call to be the youth of 2021. And all you have to do is not be present to not be a part of what God is doing. How many times do you actually sit back and ask yourself if you are present and if you are part of what is actually happening around you? How many times do you sit back and evaluate your life, not based on what you've been able to accumulate, but based on how you've been able to participate in what God is doing around you? It's not just the what of our purpose that we need to familiarize ourselves with. But it's the when of our purpose that we need to wake up to. It's not just the what, but it's the when of our purpose that we need to wake up to. The what at the wrong time can affect effectiveness. So if you get the what right, but you get the when wrong, it can affect how effective you are. I like how I opened up with that. We spoke about in the morning, they all showed up to where they were expected to be. Assembly. 
<laughs> and as they showed up there, the principal gave them a blessing and they were able to change things around in this nation. It's not just the what. It's not just being able to speak about what I feel God has called me to do, but it's being able to heed to the what and actioning it now. I think of how when Satan was tempting Jesus, he used the what of scripture to try and temper with the when of Jesus' calling. He used truth, even scripture, he even used scripture to try and and weaken Jesus. He used truth at the wrong time to try and tear Jesus' faith apart. He started trying to get Jesus to eat while Jesus was still fasting. He started trying to get Jesus to to, to rule over kingdoms while Jesus was still having to go through the cross. So he tried to use the what in the wrong time to get Jesus to be derailed from his purpose. The what at the wrong time can even affect eternity. I'm not too convinced about coincidences when it comes to calling, purpose, and destiny. It's not just what we are called. It's not just that we are called for such a time as this, but it's that the times that we find ourselves in are calling out warriors that are on the inside of us. Our ability, our willingness to respond to the things that are confronting us in the face in terms of in our society ends up being a, a willingness and an ability to respond to the different problems that we face in our day-to-day lives. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar understood the times. And sometimes it can be so uncomfortable that it feels like it's such a stretching process that some of you might even feel like this world is causing and pulling you to growing way before you had hoped. But God reprimanded Jeremiah for questioning his timing. And he, when Jeremiah said, God, no, I'm only a youth. God Use people like Joseph. God used people like Esther, people like Mary to use them in the when of the what that we're supposed to do. There are endless examples of young people that God called to respond with a godly resistance, a refusal, a call to confrontation, a call to contribution, collaboration, and the sort of conversion of their societies. Sometimes it may feel like it's unfair because I'm comparing myself with um, the other side, whatever the other side may look like to you or whatever the other side may be to you, it may feel like it's unfair, and you've seen them, and they look like they're having an easier time than you are. But the temperature of unfairness was turned up for the Hebrew boys, which were Meshach, um, Shadrach, and Abednego. The temperature of unfairness was turned up. The temperature of the treatment was turned up to the point where they saw God moving in an anti-God society. They said this, and I would like for this to even be our prayer tonight or throughout the week. They said that, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It seemed like it was unfair, but unfair was not the end of the story for them. One of the prophets, um, the the head prophet in our movement, Every Nation, Jim Lafoon, shares a story of uh, when his daughter was young and she was really sick at some point um, and had this unexpected illness. And then he asked her to take out the globe of the world. I've shared this, this with some, some of you before. He, she took out the, he took out the map of the world for her. And after he did that, he said, put your hands on different countries and start declaring the victory of God over them. And I was like, what? <laughs> what happened to Panado? <laughs> what happened to like you know you know i think he did give her panado but uh when when she asked father why are you doing this his response was that 
He wanted her to learn from a young age that when the enemy fights you, you always have the option to fight back. That when the enemy is fighting you, you always have the option to fight back. You have the option for resistance, for refusal, for confrontation, contribution, collaboration, and the cry for conversion of your society to mark how you serve the purposes of God in your generation. In the book of Acts, there's a story about a lady by the name of Tabitha, or Tabitha if she was from where I'm from. Tabitha. <laughs> There was only, uh, one of the things that was known, she was not only known for her devotion, but she was known for her refusal to leave the world as it was. They don't just mention how great of a believer she was, they mention how she impacted the people around her. How she responded to the cries of the people that were around her. So if you have your Bibles with you, opens in, open it in Acts 9 verse 36. And it says that in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. And I like to pause there a little bit. She was a disciple. There was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name was Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Sounds like somebody. Sounds like Jesus. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged them, Please come at once. Peter went to them, went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothes that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. There was something to show for her life more than just her words. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tenor named Simon. As we read through the book of Acts, we see the power of how transformation becomes unstoppable when we becomes more important than I. We looked at uh, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch a couple of weeks back, uh, spoke about the Cornelius, the centurion, we spoke about the Apostle Paul, and tonight we have to witness of this woman that was referred to as a disciple, and she lived the kind of life where we was the point of her life, that when she died, the disciples sent for Peter to come and raise her from the dead. You know what I was wondering about is that what kind of life of faith did she live? What kind of life of attacking and approaching and confronting the impossible did she live that when she died, the people around her, who were probably her disciples, the people around her, thought that no, 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 if anybody needs to be raised from the dead, it's Tabitha. It says that her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. This reminds me of the story of Jesus and Lazarus. After he was buried and Jesus showed up on the scene, I can't help but think that this is a picture of God showing that things are not so dead that he can't intervene. Even if he's speaking about you're never too young to change the world, God is showing you that it's never too late for him to move. And this is a story written on the life of this woman, Tabitha. Two points from her life that I believe can give us an encouragement as we seek to change the world. The first one is that it's always what God does in us that sets us up to change the world. It's what God does in us 
that sets us up to change the world. Dorcas's life speaks of a transformation that points to Christ being formed in her. Her life speaks of a character of Christ, the, the, the person of Jesus Christ being formed on the inside of her. It says that she was always doing good and she was helping the poor. What needs to be changed in the world out there normally needs to be changed in the world in here first. I nearly titled this sermon as I was praying about it leading up to today as this is, these are the reasons why you are not going to change the world. And one of the reasons why we are not going to change the world if we do not end up changing the world is that we expect change out there before we expect change in here first. This is a woman that experienced transformation and she was a mark of transformation wherever she went. The mission is normally intensely personal. You don't have to go travel far to find the mission. When you read the story about uh, the, Jews, the students of June 16, is that they didn't have to try and think of something overly philosophical to say, how do you? No, no, no. It was something that was an immediate need for them and those that were around them. The mission is never too far to find. I saw a couple of interviews about these same students that were part of the initial conversations about the June 16 event. And it speaks about how Tieti, Machinini's brother, suspects that the nights before the 16th, Tieti might have been in conversations with Steve Biko. And why I'm mentioning this is that, as it sounds to me, that transformation of how he viewed himself led him to know about the option of resistance and not just giving in. Refusal and not just giving in. Confrontation and not just giving in. Contribution to the solution and not just giving in. And a cry for the conversion of his society. And number two, it's always what God is already doing around us that sets us up to change the world. God is at work before you even recognize that there is a problem. <laughs> it always starts with recognizing what God is doing and partnering with him. It speaks here in terms of the life of Dorcas that all the widows stood around him, stood around Peter, crying and showing Peter the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. When you read through, when you read through the New Testament, one of the things that you hear repeated over and over is caring for widows. She didn't have to think of a new initiative. She just had to attend to the problems of her time. She had to wake up and recognize that there is a role for her to play to turn things around. She responded, You have a calling and a purpose. You have interests and passions. Yes, you do. But sometimes we can be so obsessed with finding what the significant thing we are meant to do is that we don't recognize that instead of, instead of us finding it, it actually finds us. As it finds you, you only have to not be present to not be a part of the change that God wants to bring. And by present, it's in two levels. Sometimes your body is present, but your heart is absent. Sometimes your body is present, but your mind is absent. Pastor Langa spoke so well about how we are called to love God and obey his commandments. Nothing will cause you to be fully present where you are than loving God and obeying his commandments. And in closing, I'm going to end with uh, the same reading that I started with earlier on, events on June 17. The second day was marked by uncontrollable fury and burning hostility. It says, police, police, police. <laughs> 
It says police also assumed another attitude. They shot at random and at anyone who would raise a fist and shout power into their face. Many others joined the original protesters. Not everyone had heard about Hector Peterson and the others who were killed yet, but the word was spreading. A quote by Solomon Mariakele Rulani uh, from Rulani Senior Primary said, The following day I picked up stones, I joined the struggle. On the 16th I just came home and stayed. Because we formed the slogan, an injury to one is an injury to all. So we were supposed to be there. It's not a scripture, but you are supposed to be here. You are supposed to be on the campus that you are on, studying the course that you are studying right now, until you graduate and decide you want to study something else. (laughs) You're supposed to be interacting with the people that you are interacting with. Why? Because there is a power that God has placed on the inside of you to change the world outside and you not letting it change you. You are the perfect fit for the problems that surround you. The same way that David is said to have served God's purposes in his own generation. It says that after that he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors, with his ancestors and his body decayed. We are called to serve the purposes of God in our own generation. Please stand up as we pray. I don't get to share this story many times, but one of the things that gave me passion to want to see the world around me transform was that on the 4th of September, 2004, God came and transformed the world on the inside of my heart. God came and did for me what I never thought would have been possible. I'm one of the least likely people to have gotten saved. I had a friend that evangelized me for nine months, and every single time he would try, there was someone like, dude, I think you have to stop. (laughs) But even with all that bravado and all that uh, rudeness or whatever it is that I was putting on the surface, there was a brokenness on the inside of my heart. And sometimes the brokenness on the inside of our hearts can make us believe that we're not able to change the brokenness that's out there. And tonight, I want to make a call to everybody, anybody who's logged in and has not had God address the brokenness in their hearts. Right? There's two groups of people. It's somebody who's here saying that I'm still hurting and it's affecting, why, it's affecting my belief in terms of the world around me changing. That's the first group of people. The second group of people is somebody who's saying that I have never gotten an opportunity to give my life to Jesus and actually get saved. So I'm going to pray for the first group of people. And if you fall in the second group of people, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand or put up your hand here so that we can be able to pray with you. So Lord God, we pray for healing for each and every single one of us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the one who is able to heal us, Lord God. You are the one. There is a bomb in Gilead, Lord Jesus. Our experiences, our upbringing, Lord God, do not put an end to what you can do in our lives, Lord Jesus. So I pray for every single person that's logged in tonight, wherever there is pain in our hearts, pain in our lives, Lord God. I pray that you would bring a healing that would convince us that you can bring healing to the world around us, Lord God. So right now, Lord Jesus, I pray that you minister that healing, Lord God. You bring that transformation, Lord God. Where there is a need for forgiveness, I pray for the gift and the, the, I pray for the grace to forgive, Lord God. Where, is the need, where there is a need to let go, I pray for the grace to let go, Lord Jesus. I pray for a new day over all of us, Lord God. I pray that we believe in opportunities, Lord God, that you set in place, Lord God. We believe in the possibilities of a new day, Lord Jesus. And if you are here tonight, and you're saying that I would love that opportunity to give my life and surrender my life to Christ. I would love the opportunity to lay it all down like we sang during worship. 
There's a little, uh, there's a summary of the gospel that Pastor Rice Brooks always shares. He says the gospel is the good news. The gospel is not good advice. <laughs> the gospel is not good suggestion, but it's good news. It's a report of something that happened that changed everything. The gospel is the good news that God came to earth as a man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived. And he died the death that we should have died. In whose place? In our place. And then on the third day, he rose again, proving that he is the son of God. Proving that he is the son of God. And offering the gift of forgiveness to those who would repent and believe the gospel. So thank you very much for that hand. Thank you very much for that hand. Is there anybody who is in the venue tonight who is saying that I would like to give my life to Jesus? Please put up your hands and we can pray with you. I'm going to ask you guys to pray, to repeat this prayer after me um, for um, what's born to. What's dot born dot to. <laughs> so just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus. I come before you now and I confess that I'm a sinner. I thank you, Lord God, that you died on the cross for me. And I thank you, Lord God, that through your life, your death, and your resurrection, I can find new life. And I declare tonight that I'm a new creation. I'm born again. And I receive you for salvation. Help me to love Help me to serve. Help me to obey you all the days of my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome guys. Have a good night. Congratulations if you prayed that prayer. Uh, even if you didn't put up your hand, then you know that you were meant to have put up your hand. I'm going to ask you to please send us an inbox so that we can be able to pray with you uh, and also let you know uh, what the next step is going to be since you made that commitment. Awesome, guys. Uh, please have a meaningful 16th of June this coming week. Don't just sit back. <laughs> Do something outside of yourself. Awesome, guys. Have a good night.